just talk to you. Yeah, you can just talk to okay. me. So thanks yeah, again. I get a copy of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, yeah. Don, for doing this. Of course, um, man. Of you know, course. we've been connected for quite some time now. Um, you do uh, videography, branding, uh, storytelling. You know, and I'll let you give a more formal introduction of yourself. But um, you know, yeah, just wanted to have you on the podcast to just you know hear your story. Uh, I know you're you're an inspiring guy, so you'll inspire others and uh, you know and inspire me as well. Um, so why don't you just kind of walk me through like your origin story? Sure, sure, definitely. Well, title of my, I go by storyteller, content creator, uh, video journalist, documentarian. Yeah. So all of those combined into one. It's um, the the last three are basically the storyteller part, the storytelling part. Um, but interesting, I um when I was coming out of college. Um, I didn't know I would be doing what I'm doing today. And where did you go to college? Yeah, went to school at Virginia State University, um, HBCU down in Petersburg, Virginia. Went there, was a psychology major. I thought that I was going to be a TV psychologist. That was the whole deal. Like, all right, because I wanted to mix. I was like, I like television, but I love psychology. That's what I thought then. Um, I went to work at a psych ward as an internship, hmm. and that was that was the no brainer. I was there for like I think two days called my department chairperson and said, this is not for me. Um, but at the same time, I had three years under my belt of psychology, which was actually great because I was able to, um, one, understand people. Um, I don't think so much the power of influence, but just understand how people operate, which was actually a good foundation. I left the psychology department and we did not have a communications, school of communications. Um, they had a minor, which was like English. But you're still able to kind of do media studies, basically. Um, so I did that. I think like maybe about a year or two of it. Um, some type of a minor degree. Um, and then um, my first job out of school was with uh, NBC. It was Channel 12 in Richmond. Um, that was pretty much the foundation of like understanding journalism, understanding news. I was playing around with it for a little while because I thought that um, I was going to be an, uh, an anchor or a reporter, a field reporter this, uh, per se, and um, they offered me to go down to South Carolina, it was something to South Carolina, I, I, didn't, I don't even know where that is till today, <laughs> and I was like, well, how many streetlights they have, <laughs> <laughs> um, how many people in the town, and how far is it, and how long will I need to stay to move up, and I was like, uh-oh, here we go again, mm -hmm. maybe this might not be for me, um, but I learned a lot in uh, TV production and news which is another foundation of mine. I kind of, you know, you add the things that you're doing in your career experiences as you grow, which is really ideal. Uh, I did that for about two years, um, and then I left and went to New York. Um, I thought I was going to break into marketing in New York. Um, that didn't happen, um, but I was able to work in marketing. Worked for a magazine company up there. I was able to get some foundation in how marketing and advertising worked, which was cool. Mm -hmm. Things that I use today. Um, and... Uh, so from there, I think I was up there again. I was doing these two-year two year stints for some odd reason. And um, I know I wanted to get my feet planted back in television. New York was a little oversaturated, so I made my way back to D.C. Um, coming to D.C., I found a job at uh, Atlantic Video. Literally, I think that was the first video production uh, background that I had because we were, we were working on live events, live shows, um, 
and um, that's where I learned, you know, how web streaming when webcasting basically was first kind of coming out. What year is this? This is 19... No, this is like 2000. 1999, 2000-ish. So around 2000. Um, And I moved from like the president's office working as his business assistant and really understanding how, you know, financials work and uh, how to run a production company um, with a very high-end... CEO and COO that have run several production companies around not just the city around the country so it was a great foundation to see again the business aspect of high run and then I got shifted down to um, live events and, and production so then I was like that's when I got the nitty gritty of producing um, wasn't really shooting at all and um, but I was able to kind of understand how the producing world works one of the most interesting things happened my executive producer was leaving. He was, had been there for several years. He was like, what are you going to do? I was like, I don't have anywhere to go. I'm just going to sit and learn. He was like, well, I'm going to tell you this. When you die, you ask yourself or you ask people what's going to be on your tombstone. And uh, what will they say? And I was like, I don't know. I'm still early in the game. He said, they should say, or you would want them to say, how you changed the world. So if you're asking yourself, have you changed the world? And can you change the world? then that's what you should be doing. And it just stuck with me. And I was like, yeah, it is, right? (laughs) And I was like, where are you going? And he was like going off to some far country, like in um, Europe somewhere. And he was working for, I can't remember the name of the production company, but wherever he was going was cold. And um, he was going to be working on life-changing productions, um, which it stuck with me, but I I wasn't sure yet. So... um, I was still like in my path of like growing. Okay, so we'll be here, and then the company downsized. So how big was the company? Light Video was a big production company. They had contracts like with MTV, ESPN, um, America's Most Wanted, which dates me. So there's like a hundred people or a thousand people. Close to it, yeah. It was pretty big. It had two. We had two of the biggest uh, production <laughs> studios in the city at the time. Um, so it was pretty big. You had a full post production staff, full production staff full um producing staff like it was just it was one of those places where you go in and it's at least 75 100 people working there so at the time everyone wanted to work at atlantic video um so anyway they downsized great company to be at um i was able to learn like i said everything between event production live webcasts and kind of i guess cultivate what you call being an associate producer and again it's like when you're that young it's like okay it's not enough what else can i do so when I got downsized, back then you walk around with a Rolodex. We didn't have phones we kept numbers in, right? So I, le- I, I was able to leave with my Rolodex, and I, was just, I started calling people. I was like, well, what am I going to do next? I took on, I, I became a freelancer then. So this is like 2001, 2002. Um, Still very little social media. I mean, I guess there was a MySpace, maybe. Just MySpace. Getting ready. Okay, That's MySpace. It. Yep, it was just MySpace, and MySpace was just for fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no one, I mean, business people really weren't on it. It was basically call people. So um, I uh, I became a sagging after agent. So I was booking, uh, you know, I like women. I was booking models <laughs> for um, for music videos, commercials, and industrials. Went really well, you know. Um, I, I did a nice Revlon ad with a good friend of mine from school that I promised. I said, you're pretty. 
I'm gonna get you an ad when you get out of school. And I did. So I kept my promise with her. Lived there for a couple of years, but um, I noticed that, not that the industry was dying, it was just taking a shift for me. And plus I wanted to get back into television. I reached out to a producer um, that I had met when I was at Atlantic Video, and we stayed pretty tight. And he was running the f- mayor's film commission, not film commission, the mayor's um, office cable television at the time. It's the DC channel for um, basically all the hearings in DC, anything that has to do with DC businesses and and um, politics. And um, he had a new show that was out called um, DC Chamber Chat. So DC Chamber Chat covered all the business and economic development in the city. It was an interesting time because that's when the city was going through its gentrification, uh, building multi-use um, places where to live, work, and play. And um, I was it was ideal for me. I was a producer that would basically go from DC to Maryland, and I was interviewing all these developers. And uh, the chamber was basically. Um, institutional in helping um instrumental i mean in helping um a lot of these uh developers and small businesses like just kind of thrive and i had the opportunity to interview all these people Ackridge, douglas um so if you're from the city and you see these big names so you'll know who they are and i interviewed all these guys i even interviewed um uh the washington business journal hmm. um alex orfinger um and i used to get every interview i went after i i just had this persistent attitude of that I'm going to succeed as this young producer. What was something that you learned as an interviewer that, you know, kind of sticks with you to, the, to this day, like uh, something that you learned throughout the interviewing process? <laughs> uh, well, I'll start with the, the funny part. It's like you got to know when people's sentences are about to come to a close so you can be able to know when to cut your interview short while knowing that you got all the content that you need and not cut them off rudely. <laughs> So I, it was interesting while you're interviewing people. But I used to do a lot of homework on people. Mm-hmm. Um, I would research them so I didn't seem like cold turkey and I didn't know who they were. I researched them and um, I, like I was saying, I was persistent. By the time I got the interview with him, he was like, you called me, you emailed me, and um, you called. He was like, you should run my sales team. Oh, wow. <laughs> so his name was Alex Orfinger. He was the publisher at the time. and um, But great interview, great person. Um, very diverse. Uh, he was he understood diversity, um, and ran the Washington Business Journal really well at the time, um, th- and that was my first producing job. So, and I'll tell you how I got that it was interesting. I called him, and he's like, "Hey, look, I got a job. Um, can you produce this show?" I was like, "Yeah, I I produced before." Got off the phone with him. I had to produce shit. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I I was an assistant. And I was an associate. I I've never produced my own show. I called every producer I knew, like everyone that I've worked with and knew, and asked them questions, advice. None of that shit helped me, mm-hmm. like at all. Um, wasn't a bad thing, and I was like, well, I got to take the gig. Took the contract. First day I was there. The other producers that were there, I basically, they were very helpful. They all came on. Power of influence. Mm-hmm. Helped me with my first and second show. And then from the third show, I just ran with it. It became the most top-rated show wow. um, at that station there at the time. I did the first green screen um, program for them. And um, it just turned out really well. I made a lot of business relationships with people in the city. Mm-hmm. And I think that my name ended up um, sticking with a lot of people. Like, this guy's, you know, this producer can get the job done. You know, he can rally a troop of production together and get it done. 
still wasn't shooting, still wasn't editing, still wasn't, you know, um, doing the work that I do today. Um, did that for a couple of years and, um, where else did I go from there? Did you have any mentors during this period I that, did. you know, you kind of leaned yeah. on? James Brown, which was, <laughs> it wasn't the James Brown, but James Brown was the director of the Office of Cable Television at the time. He was so smart and so sharp um, and knew everything about media and um, broadcast. Um, and, and, and by, giving, by giving me the opportunity, just taught me so much. And he, he just stuck around, he stuck around to be my mentor. When I had questions in the field about different projects I was working on, I'd lean straight to him. Those gigs were like freelance gigs. So between the booking agent and then those gigs with the DC Office of Cable Television, um, I was also working in film. So the t at that time, early 2000s, a lot of films were coming into DC. Tax wasn't a huge issue at the time. So Eagle Eye with Shia LaBeouf, um, mm. uh, Night at the Museum 2. Um, so a lot of films were coming into the city and I was able to work as a PA, then I moved up to a key PA. And then I was able to move up to camera assist. So I was, you know, I was kind of, I thought I was going to move around in that, in that business. I almost got an offer that was going to break my career. Ridley Scott was looking for an assistant and he was getting ready to shoot. And I'm hoping I'm quoting the director's name correctly. My wife needs to be here. <laughs> he was getting ready to shoot with Russell Crowe. It was across seas. I was just getting married. And I was like, well, shit, I'm getting married. Mm -hmm. Haven't gotten on my, my honeymoon yet. He's more than likely going to hire me. I was like number two on the list. And they were like, well, if you get hired, you bring your wife to Morocco. There it right? is. There it is. <laughs> Would have been perfect. Honeymoon I, taken care of. Didn't get hired. <laughs> Did not get hired. Got it. Um, it didn't throw things off. I made some great relationships in the film business um, and the film commission offices and just kind of all the agencies that... Um, that uh, assist with films in the city. So it wasn't a bad thing. Um, I kept freelancing. And um, um, the secondary part of my career that I didn't mention was uh, locations. So locations is uh, when you're working on film, you're the first one there and the last one to leave. So it's basically you sit around all day and do nothing. <laughs> right? When you first get there, you kind of, when you're scouting for locations in the city, if you have to do permits, you get permits, you get it licensed. Um, and make sure that you know, the, the place is permitted so there aren't any issues. And then you basically set up, um, when you're in a location assist, you just set up cones. And then just make sure everyone does what they have to do, then you clean up at the end. Mm -hmm. I was able to kind of look, get through being a location assist and basically became my own location manager. Um, so now, between um, uh, production companies that work through the BBC, USAA, I, I work with them to get all their permits in the city. Great knowledge to have, great relationships to have with Film Commission Office, Parks and Recs. Um, and just for the listeners that may not know those organizations, can you break down like sure. why they would go through you or like what, what they are and like how they go through yeah. you, why they go through you and that Definitely. kind of thing? So when I was working in the film world, again, you make these relationships with people. I was freelancing and my relationship with the BBC was working as a floor director at the time. But I was still working in the field as well. So I just basically got knowledge myself of like how, to, how locations really work, 
what offices are the best offices to call to acquire permits. D.C. is a big city and a weird city because other places it's like you just go to the film commission office and that's it. With D.C. we have our political area which is Capitol Hill. That's a separate permit. Then you have your regular D.C. district area that's under the D.C. film commission office. And then you have our monuments which they want to preserve those monuments and that's parks and recs. So it's not a whole lot of knowledge but it's relationships because there are places that will shut down and won't give you a permit. I mean I have stories of certain places not to mention that wouldn't even give the Navy um, permits. They got of course went through but um, what was the question you asked about? Uh, Just the breakdown yeah. the BBC, the US yeah, Navy yeah. And the so the relationships I, 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 I developed being a location scout um, where again the BBC, BBC's relationship where they have a production company in the UK called um, Smoking Dog Films and I can't even remember how I was even introduced and met them, but they knew that I was a cat in a city that knew production, knew locations, knew permits, understood the city really well. So when I came on, I was like half PA, half um, location scout, um, and half permit guy. So they they started and um, and when they would come in, they would tell me what areas they needed to go to. And I would bring people, uh, one or two people on me to help drive the vans, help them out for the day. And I would just make sure they had permits wherever they had to go. Because DC's real particular about it. Like, you, there's certain places on the monument grounds that you can't set a tripod on. A lot of people don't know that. They just come, you're setting up a crew, and next year you can get fined. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's that simple. Um, USAA is, in uh, layman terms, the basically the insurance for veterans per se, right? But a lot of people don't know they do so much more. Um, the relationship with them was developed the same way like Smoking Dog Films. They knew what I could do in the city. The first job they gave me, I was I made sure they were straight. I made sure they knew all the landmarks to go to around the area, what they couldn't do, where they couldn't shoot, and what locations they could shoot. Oh, uh, people that they needed to talk to and got them the right permits. So those were, and, they, and then the interesting thing is I still work with them today. Hmm. And that's been it's been a couple of years. And yeah. so, when did you start your company officially? Where mm-hmm. you work today? We launched Napoleon Complex Project probably somewhere time between two thousand seven and two thousand ten. It became official. Um, that's when the profound statement from Alan uh, came to play as far as like, what do you really want to do, or how do you want to change the world? And we. Our mission statement now is your vision, your trust, and your story. So it's your vision, the client, your trust in us, and the story that we're going to develop to make sure that you can spread it out with the world. And we wanted to make sure that we told stories that matter. Uh, and we covered things that matter, campaigns that matter. We ended up, we, we ended up covering um, marches and doing highlight videos for Mary. The, one of the, the biggest ones we did was the Women's Day March with a crew from New York and I had a crew here working with me and we documented a week and a half with the actual founders those projects are meaningful mm-hmm. so when we get projects like that that we know will change the world um, in some way shape form fashion that that means that means that's Napoleon complex project work and even even from like your company you know your company is not just a product company you know what I mean it's a it's a company that at will will help save the planet, 
right? We appreciate um, the blood. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> so when, when we got that, we were like, oh, man, this is right along the line with us. You know, the, the your first... Um, yeah, for the listeners, yeah. uh, Don's company produced our Kickstarter video, mm-hmm. which launched us uh, back in 2016. Yeah. We had a uh, concept, and, uh, you know, we've, you know, certainly... Uh, you know, grown from, uh, you know, where we were at that point, but uh, Don helped us really, you know, flesh out our story and, uh, you know, really kind of connect with the audiences that we were, uh, you know, looking to connect with and that we still continue to connect with. Um, so, so cool. So how's your mm-hmm. company kind of organized, just generally speaking, like, how do you think about, you know, projects, you know, how do you think about, you know, new clients or um, what's your like day to day like, I guess? Yeah. Our day-to-day is interesting. Um, we are structured where, you know, it's me. I'm the, the owner. I'm not the sole owner. My wife is co-owner with me. Um, she's our creative director. Um, a lot of things that people see, the final images and the final videos, pretty much kind of the creativity comes from her. Anytime I get a project, um, before I go to the rest of the crew, my, my producer, Kat Smith, which is also my B, uh, B camera shooter and DP, um, and J- Jim. Jim is actually, uh, actually men- mentioning mentors. Jim, I, we got to go to that story in a few. Um, yeah, how'd you guys meet? Yeah, we'll, we'll, that's I'm, the, that's I'm the gonna, next we'll go. We'll go to that. But um, yeah, so between my wife, creative director, Cat uh, is also instrumental in the creative side of out in the field when we're working. Um, our day to day is very non traditional. Um, Interestingly, we don't have to do a lot of marketing, but we but because we live in a world of social media, we market anyway, and we don't market like direct. We basically will produce BTS um, behind the scenes, or just uh, update. Now we're starting to get into like doing tips, so again. So we don't do a lot of marketing, but we with that information that gets out there, our returning clients, which are our friends that will refer or, or clients or new business. It's just key. It's like a revolving door. I think um, right now with social media the way it operates, the more and more people that see what we're doing, they reach out to us. But we get referred from client, other clients, and other friends. Um, whenever someone is looking for a honest, good production company that are storytellers and um, can tell a good story and can produce a good content and it makes sense and could deliver their message. We end up we end up helping them out, and we end up getting that. Um, our day to day, we try to have production meetings um, at the top of the week. Um, once we go through the production meetings at the top of our week and kind of discuss like what projects we have going on or what's coming up, what we need to pretty much storyboard per se, um, and then if we have any shoots throughout the week, that that goes into our production meeting what we're discussing, and then if we have shoots, that's pretty much already scheduled. But our top of the weeks, top of months, all start off with a production meeting to see where we are, what we're currently doing, what we, what we need to finish, um, as far as like editing, and then what we have coming up. Um, but again, we're very non-traditional. Um, we share a space um, with uh, Jim Foliard, which we're about we're about to talk about. And uh, he gives me a little booth to edit. <laughs> um, but we're a primarily a DC-based nice financial production company. Yeah. Yeah, I hope I answered that question. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. No, that's great. And how did you guys first meet in the first place? Yeah. 
So that's another interesting story. So Jim Foliard, the owner of uh, Gearship TV, he was another instrumental mentor of mine. Um, when I was leaving the produ- I wasn't leaving the producing world, but when I was wanting to shift more into production. Um, I was still producing. I was doing all these projects around the city. People were reaching out to me, and I had a guy reach out to me from LA. He was like, "Hey, I'm working on a show called The Biggest Clubs Around the City." Do you know some people? At the time, I was still partying. I was hanging out. I wasn't married. I was like, yeah, man, let's go to Dream. I took him up to Dream nightclub, which eventually became Love, and introduced him to the owner. I don't even think that project ever went anywhere. Hmm. But um, he wanted to meet, like, the biggest club owners in the city, and I knew them at the time um, because I was, you know, just hanging Sounds out. Sounds like a cool right? project. Yeah, it never went anywhere. But um, upon leaving, his marketing manager was like, hey, we're looking for a production manager. God's fate. He was like, uh, can you come on? Can you bring some interns? And I had the relationships in the city, so it was a no-brainer. I was getting students from, like, HBCUs, and then I wanted to broaden it, so I was pulling students from um, what they call now PWIs, American University, University of Maryland. And I was getting, like, a rack of students every um, semester to come in and, and learn, like, what happens in production here. Atlantic, I mean, not Atlantic Video, the nightclub got production gear, camera gear, editing gear and their primary purpose was the club used to get major celebrities from like bb king to like exhibit to jay-z um luda back in the day so it was like club um sponsor event either it was a appearance or it was a concert and the job of my interns and my production crew was to cover these things so when i was coming in i thought that's i was that's that was my job but they was like no we got this big white guy Pretty <laughs> shoots. We want to. We want to mold y'all together. I was like, okay, I don't care. He must be good. And I was looking at some of his work. And I was like, oh, he is really good. So Jim and I just basically, he would be the lead shooter, and my interns would follow his lead. Um, and then we ended up producing. I mean, hundreds of videos for this place. Um, we met so many entertainers and politicians and business people, just shooting over. I think between at least three to five years mm-hmm. and late nights with Red Bull and vodka, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, great experience, great addition to our resume. So when that life was coming to a close, he was, he had met a lady, I was meeting a lady and we were kind of shifting out of the club scene. He was like, man, you know, if you have a project, we should work together. So at the time I was still a producer. So I had connections to the city. I was out hunting for gigs. I, I didn't know how to shoot or edit. So I would call him. And that's how we bonded a production relationship. But he's he's always been like a very detail oriented um, uh, teacher, mm-hmm. right? So while yeah, we shoot, yeah, <laughs> and he was like, "Dude, you're gonna have to learn and shoot, you know." And plus, you're gonna after you know after a while. My even my, actually, as a matter of fact, to be before he said it, my wife was my girlfriend. She's my wife now. And I listen to her every damn day. Everything she says is like on point. She was like, dude, you should learn. You should learn to edit and shoot. Because mm. you can't just produce for the rest of your life. Like, you know, what if you need that to make a living? I was like, nah, man, I'm just going to be a producer. And I was like, cool, all right, I'm going to do it. So Jim literally taught me how to edit and how to be detailed in perceptions of shots and what to get and what to do. My thing is, you could teach any person how to shoot but if they have an eye which is their own creative eye then you basically bring out this this uh this new cinematographer you just basically brought it to life right 
So I was, it was blessed for him to be like, hey, man, we're going to show you how to do this thing. And then I developed my own eye as far as what I needed to shoot. But we worked together since 2004, since then. And it was easy. I got a project. I call him. We work out the numbers. We work out the details on how we script it and put it together. We go shoot. Bring the check back. He take his cut. I take mine. He feed his family. I fed mine. And we kept it moving. The relationship has been the same thing um, those entire years. We've never... One of the things for everyone to understand is truth and honesty that and, and being transparent. Like, we were always just clean. It wasn't like I got a gig and it's like, oh, big dick D, you know, this is what they said the cost was. When you do business like that where you're kind of shimming and shamming each other as a partner, it never works out. That's the best advice I can give someone. You want a long-time partner like that. That's over 14 years of business. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, you already touched on it a little bit. I was going to ask you, like, on the business side, like, was that something that you had to kind of get, you know, just generally better at year after year, just, like, seeing more, yeah. like, deals, working with more mm -hmm. clients? Oh, yeah. Uh, but then, you know, kind of, like, did you ever feel like... I have kind of, like, two-part question. Like, mm -hmm. one is, like, how do you think about, like, content creation? Mm -hmm. Like, from the outside looking in, it just mm -hmm. seems like there's just different content creators mm -hmm. that, like, make... You know, uh, you know they they go shoot. They mm -hmm. use social media and they kind of use that to amplify yeah. what they do. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever thought from a, um, I guess more of a uh, like a bit like do you ever feel like you need to get a mm -hmm. business partner or yeah. do you ever feel like you already are the business partner yeah. and you would hire yeah. you know even more creatives? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you think about like kind of scaling like a media you know production business? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, you're always ever evolving and you're always learning and um and you know jim didn't have to tell me my wife didn't have to tell me none of my mentors never tell me it was one of them things that we just kept reminding each other but we knew every year you got to get different you know not every year but every so often you got to change the cameras you're using mm -hmm. the software that you're using you got to get more knowledge and you have to read and we've been like that since day one so since day one it's always been a thing like what else is new on the market how can we make our work look better? How can we make our cameras and our images look better? How can we please our clients? You know, we come back and it was like, man, the shots are getting cleaner and cleaner. You know, um, so our research on how to make what we're giving clients better is something that we're always changing. You know, like, you know, you buy yourself a slider. Why do you want to buy a slider? You want that beautiful shot that's like a movie, like a cinematic, like a movie. So that's something that we're always going to do, which is continuing evolving with new equipment and, and new um, um, technology and you've I mean you're being humble I mean you have mm -hmm. an Emmy right you won an Emmy How, yeah. like maybe just walk through like sure what that was like what it meant to you yeah I think I have an Emmy I won an Emmy with the um, I have it plastered upstairs uh, nice <laughs> the mid-atlantic region so basically the Emmys are funny so you have your big Emmys in LA and then you have these, they have Emmys that are broken from broadcast to regular television straight across the country. So I was basically blessed enough to uh, work with, uh, it was a mid-Atlantic region, it was for the Maryland Public Television Network. And um, I had always freelance and always making relationships. And I produced a, a segment that was a children's special. Um, and um, seven minutes of producing a children's special at a farm and the better foods to eat 
got submitted in a 30-minute cap for a series, and it won an Emmy. Wow. Right? So um, that was pretty dope. For sure. Yeah, I'd love to get another one working on that. No, yeah. that's that's fire. Yeah. So, um, you know, I guess, you know, kind of carrying it forward now where, uh, you know, 2019 is like, you know, I think now we're kind of hitting scale, I mm-hmm. think, with certain platforms, whether it's Instagram. I mean, I think I saw a billion active users there and, you know, the 60 second videos are really seem to be doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, LinkedIn's having somewhat of a moment where organic reach, you mm-hmm. know, actually resembles kind of like Facebook or even Instagram mm-hmm. uh, years ago. Um, what are you thinking in terms of, you know, kind of like either now what's happening with mm-hmm. platforms and like distributing content? What do you think about, you know, as far as either your, your work or your client's work using the platforms? Uh, do you, do you, do you see it as, a, is it, is it here to stay? Is it, is it here to go? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think about, um, what, what do you think about like where we are right now yeah. in, in, in media, <clears throat> excuse me, social media? Yeah. There's so many different levels uh, to that question. <laughs> yeah, that's because, a one. yeah. Because, you know, you know, if you get deeper in a, in politically with it, um, I think that, um, and I'll, and I'll, I'll answer the question. Yes. I think that, um, platforms will evolve. I think they're they're around now, which is a new way to communicate. Like someone said it the other day, I can't remember who it was on television. It was like back in the day when you were trying to get a gig to be a comedian or to become someone or to get a network deal, you had to go through all these different channels and pass and travel and do all these things. Now, you turn on the camera, you load it up to YouTube or load it up to a social network, and if it grabs an audience, boom, you know, you've made a difference, right? And then what ends up happening, too, is that you keep hearing this statement, we are culture. People aren't stupid. They, they understand that African-Americans, um, sh- we're, we're, we shift, we, we, we help this culture move around. And they're not stupid by it, you know. If, <laughs> this is a dumb statement to say, but like, without a certain races of people, and regardless of social media being around, every race has its own uh, arena of how they communicate with the world. And it's, it's so profound amongst all of them. You know, you have your between Haitians and Indians and Asians and Latinos. They all have, they utilize this platform of social media and with communicating and, and developing programs that are just changing things you know, around this entire world. So yes, to answer your question, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I think it's going to just keep evolving. It's one of the best ways to communicate. What I do think may slightly take a shift and maybe take a turn and not fully go away is is television. Mm -hmm. Um, Because this new age of, of young folks, they're online. Most of the things that they look at and watch are online. You want to get that community, you communicate with them through social media and through apps. So I hope I answered the question. No, that's great. Yeah. Um, what do you think you would give advice to someone that maybe wants to, you know, take a production route or, you know, shoot and edit? Like, mm-hmm. where should they go? Should they go to YouTube? Mm-hmm. Should they try to get an internship? Yeah. I tell everyone, if you're not sure what you want to do, if you're not sure who you want to be in the next five years, try everything out. 
you know, write, get an internship as a producer, get it as a shooter. Um, if somebody will let you use their equipment or get you, or you shoot on your own, um, understand scripts, understand storyboarding, like learn all the aspects because what's going to happen while you're doing them all those things, I'm, I'm a sole believer of purpose, you know, purpose and why you're here and and the, the, the connection between you, God, and the Holy Spirit. In doing all those things, you're going to find what you're really good at. And you're going to get, you're going to do something that one gives you joy, get, brings you money, and then you're going to see how the world responds to it. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Um, so I always tell people if they want to learn and understand production, um, try all the different areas of production and then you'll understand which one you're good at. But then by then, you have acquired those skill sets. So somebody will never bullshit you. I like that. <laughs> right? Um, but I'd never deter people if they want to do the education route to get understanding. But the, the other thing to do is to, keep sh- is to keep shooting and keep producing and keep circling with groups of people to keep working on projects. That's how you learn. Um, and then, you know, you'll get gigs where you'll be a little bit more... Um, um, finesse and, and, and understand how production works and there are great production schools out there you know you have New House of Syracuse you always have your, your big NYU but there's so many other schools around the world um, that you'll be able to learn but you'll never you will learn and understand more production if you keep doing it yourself because the more mistakes you make the better you get and then find yourself a great mentor and where can everyone find you online um, man, you just Google my name and I just show up. There no, you go. um, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on most of the platforms. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, even if you put Napoleon Complex Project or Don Napoleon, I'll come up. Same thing with IG. Both of them are tagged together, the company and my name. Um, Facebook for the, the kids are calling it for old folks. Same thing. I have both <laughs> of them tagged together. Um, and then my my biggest presence that we just um redid our website last year, Napoleon. The Napoleon Complex, Napoleon Complex Project dot com. So Napoleon Complex dot com. And then when you go on it, you see our presence, you see our story, you see who we are and what we do. It's one of our best displays of, of work. And then once you find it, if you want to holler, just give me a call. For sure. Yeah, yeah we'll check that out. Yeah, man. Appreciate, appreciate you for doing this. Yeah, man. Thank you, too. Thank you again. Yeah.